BBCC episode 15, my realization of the day. Can we talk about Cool Ranch Doritos for a sec? Like, what's cool about it? Is it referencing the temperature? Like, ranch straight out of the fridge? Or like, the fawn's cool, like, hey! What, what do room temperature ranch-flavored Doritos taste like? What do Cool Ranch flavored Doritos even taste like? Because I can tell you one thing, I'm from the Midwest, and it don't taste like ranch. Okay? I mean, don't get me wrong, they're delicious. I just couldn't describe the flavor of Cool Ranch Dorito flavored chips, even if I tried. Like, I don't know. Let's just get to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Blade Blend Cinema Club. How we doing today? It is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. Bloody Blunts, a.k.a. Daddy Disco, a.k.a. Jesus, the patron saint of darkness. You can call me whatever you like, just don't call me late for dinner. Ha 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 ha. I still have never really understood that saying, but I say it all the time. Um, shout out to my best friend's father who passed away not too long ago due to COVID related things. Um, RIP Mitch Coleman, but he would say that saying all the time and it made me laugh. He, he was the king of dad jokes and, uh, that one would always, I don't know, it always stuck with me and I say it all the time. So, uh, just had to give a good shout out to him not to start the show off on a sad note. Just had to go ahead and throw that out there because that connection will always be there. And Mitch Coleman was like my second father. I really love that man. So I have a guest for this episode. So you know how that works. I'm just going to talk a few things real quick before we get into the meat of the episode. But I am very excited. We're talking about a couple found footage movies. Um, we were talking about As Above, So Below and Grave Encounters. And I'll talk about the guest here in a sec. But of course, before we get into all that, just a reminder, can I talk to you guys for a sec about five star reviews on Apple Podcasts? I would greatly appreciate guys, not because I want to sit here and read them and stroke my own ego, but because I want to be able to spread the show out and get it into more ear holes. So please go write a five star review, leave a few sweet words. I would greatly appreciate it. If you do that, I'll love you forever and let you keep your soul. So please go on iTunes and write a five-star review for the Blay Blunt Cinema Club. Share the podcast with your friends as well. Share it on Instagram or Twitter. You know, fucking Spotify has the, the share thing on Instagram. Do that. Let me know what you're doing when you're listening to the podcast. Things like that. Um, but please leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. So that way we can grow this bloody club even bigger. Next note before we get to our special guest is, um, I have been slacking on this giveaway that I've been telling you guys about. And, um, because I planned on doing it this entire month, but at like the very beginning of the month, I shot a music video 
and I have been busy with like other creative gigs as well. So, um, and just trying to keep up with the podcast in general. And then I went out of town and just all sorts of things have been coming up, you know. So the giveaway is one thing that I've been kind of slacking on, but I will start it next week, I promise, because the giveaway, we are giving away a Scream Factory special edition Blu-ray of 13 Ghosts, which is the movie that we will be talking about on the podcast next week. So I will... 100% be starting the giveaway next week, and then I will extend it into September. Um, I've been hyping it up for a minute, but it will be starting next week, I promise you guys. Um, Speaking of which, you will want to um, be following the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club new social media accounts to get the information for, um, for the giveaway. And the giveaway will definitely include following those two pages. Um, I've been saying this whole time I didn't want to start separate social media accounts for them. But I'm about to be putting out a lot of other creative things into the world. And I don't want the podcast getting lost in the shuffle. So I did make an Instagram and Twitter page for Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It is Bloody Blunt CC on Instagram and Twitter. That is Bloody Blunts with two O's is spelled normal this time. CC as in Cinema Club, obviously. So go on to Instagram and Twitter. Follow the podcast pages, Bloody Blunt CC, to stay updated on the podcast. But of course, I'm still going to be updating the show on my personal pages as well. Um, not Instagram as much like Instagram, especially I'm be shifting to a lot of other things, but my Twitter, like I'm always going to be tweeting about the podcast and about horror movies in general. Um, but you can go follow the podcast pages just to, uh, keep up on them specifically. Um, definitely go to the Instagram page because I will be just like posting a lot more general horror stuff as well as promoting the podcast. So I will be putting more horror content on the Instagram. And um, if you follow me on my personal accounts, which are now underscore daddy disco, that would be underscore daddy disco because I mean, that just makes sense. I mean, I'm the disco cult daddy, baby. I'm your favorite disco cult daddy, your only disco cult daddy. I am the daddy disco. And um, it will also make sense because I will be releasing some music here soon under the name daddy disco. So, um, but if you go follow me, I'm going to be doing um, Instagram live streams every week where I just like kind of sit and chat with you guys and we talk movies and um, you guys can ask me for recommendations things of that nature. So definitely go and follow me on the personal pages, but follow the podcast pages as well. I'm just going to be pumping out lots and lots of content, which leads to the last point before we start the actual episode. Sorry, this is a little bit of a longer intro than usual. There's just a lot of uh, new things going on with the podcast and uh, my content personally. YouTube stuff is coming. I'm going to be reviewing movies. I have um, a bite-sized review segment coming. I will have more formal reviews as well. I will do some video essays and some analyses. Is that the plural version of analysis? Some analyses? Um, You know, things like that. And there will also be short films as well. So make sure you guys go follow Bloody Blunts on YouTube 
as well because um, I have a lot of stuff in the works. I have something super cool in the works that um, will be coming down the pipeline hopefully by October. Hopefully I can get it out by uh, Halloween season. But anyways, enough talking about me. I have a very special guest on the podcast for this episode. His name is Johnny the Horror Hack. He is based out here in Los Angeles as well. We did do this episode remotely just because, you know, meeting each other the first time and COVID and, you know, but you know, he is also based out in LA, a super cool YouTuber. He's fairly new, hasn't been on the scene too long, but he has um, put out a very consistent um, flow of content. He has a very fresh perspective on films. He brings a lot of positivity, which I enjoy. Um, You know, I don't like a bunch of like, you know, these horror YouTubers that like make videos trashing horror movies like I like that annoys me or there's like also so many YouTube channels that aren't horror fans but they like watch horror movies and trash them and do like commentaries and stuff like that and that annoys me Johnny is so like he loves fucking horror movies and I absolutely love that so I was happy to have him on the show he brought a couple found footage movies so let's go ahead and get to the actual meat of this episode see you guys on the other side All right, guys, welcome back to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. And after that little brief intro, I'm ready to introduce my guest for this episode. We are talking a couple found footage horror movies with Johnny the Horror Hack. How are you doing, my man? How's it going, dude? Thanks for uh, letting me come on the show. I've listened to a few of your episodes. It's pretty sweet, so uh, I'm ready to talk some horror with you, man. Hell yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I found your channel like it was like a month or so ago and I caught a few of your reviews because um, one thing that I noticed that you do is like uh, you have a nice selection of reviews, like not just doing the popular ones, but you're like keeping up with like a lot of the indie streaming ones too, which are harder to find like, you know, reviews and inputs for. So that's how I found you. And I uh, absolutely love your stuff, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I try to... Uh... Well, especially now when, you know, nothing's coming out in the theaters. Yeah. Um, you're really looking for those. But, you know, even even when I was even when we were going strong in the theaters and all those movies were coming out, um, I still really enjoy finding some hidden gems and stuff that's on Amazon Prime or Shutter. Because mm-hmm. uh, I just think those are just the best ones. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, because I love the theater as much as anybody. I absolutely love the whole experience and stuff. But then. I kind of start getting towards uh, that that route as well. Just like yeah, like over the past few years, like the the streaming services have really revolutionized indie movies, especially horror films for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I absolutely love Shutter, so that's just fantastic. But uh, but yeah, so you have uh, you have a YouTube channel and you do a show and you do some reviews. Like uh, wh- when did you start that? And uh, and also just like when did you really get into horror in general? Yeah, well, as for my channel, yeah, like you said, I do just a bunch of horror movie reviews. Um, I, I actually tried my hand at having an interview uh, for the first time just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I interviewed uh, the executive producer and writer of Host, which is phenomenal film right now. It's kind of making waves uh, mm-hmm. um, on Shutter. It's, it's exclusively streaming on Shutter right now. So if you haven't seen that, just about six friends that go on zoom and uh, do a seance and the whole movie is shot over zoom 
it's it's very good at how they shot it and um simple idea but the execution was tough man i mean they were it was shot in the pandemic so they they didn't really even have a crew mm-hmm. to do. So all the actors kind of had to do the camera play and tape microphones, to their laptop and move around the, their place. It's great. But anyway, but yeah, my bread and butter, I do movie reviews um, started about a year ago, only like a year, uh, maybe like 14 months ago or something, because I was watching, you know, uh, some horror movie reviews on YouTube and my, and I've so knowledgeable of horror and movies in general and I needed some creative outlet. And I'm like, I could do that. Like that, that sounds like awesome time. So I just, you know, threw my channel up on YouTube and started doing it. And it's really fun to look back and see my first review, which I think was child's play, the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was my very first review. It's pretty good how, one to start off on. Yeah. And how kind of uncomfortable I was, I was. And I'm just, it's like to watch them now, it's like a lot better. I'm sure in a couple of years, it'll be, you know, kind of cringe to watch my older ones, but it's, you know what, it's just a fun thing to do. So I really enjoy doing it. Um, I've been into horror ever since I was a kid. My dad, my dad let me watch probably things I shouldn't have as, as like a five or six year old, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's I'd always somebody, kinda... there's always somebody that's, uh, has to give, be that gateway for you to, to give you access to those, yeah. you know, those movies. That was my dad. And, uh, I, <laughs> remember even having, you know, Cinemax as a kid and HBO. And like when my parents went to bed, they'd have on like Hellraiser and stuff like late at night and something like a six, seven year old probably shouldn't see. But I remember being enthralled with it (laughs) and I'd start writing dark stories at school, um, really dark stories. And the teachers actually called my parents to tell them like, uh, Johnny's like, really writing some dark stuff. Can you come in and let's talk about this? And that's how my mom found out that my dad was, you know, he showed me a lot of horror oh stuff. Gosh. got so pissed at him. It's funny. That, so I've been, yeah, I've been kind of ingrained, enthralled with horror since childhood, you know? What about you? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm very similar. I also started pretty early. I was about seven whenever I started getting shown A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I watched, I watched the fly at age seven. That was pretty intense. So it was like, yeah, yeah, uh, like from, from then it was like between my mom and my uncle were the ones that like, were kind of showing me these things, you know, and they like, they never really censored me from anything like just in general. Cause I mean, both my parents, I mean, the mouths they have on them, like my dad, he would always (laughs) say, he's like, my dad would say, he's like, Anything that's going to come out of our mouths is going to be way worse than anything you can see on TV. So, like, they really just didn't, you know, they kind of let us uh, go at it. And, uh, yeah. but yeah, so like age seven was similar. And then also, funny, same thing. I started writing short stories in the fourth grade. And mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't, I mean, I won't say they were dark, but they were definitely, they were horror. And I mean, I was like graphic too about it was <laughs> yeah. the funny thing. Yep. And I remember uh, I had a teacher, my fourth grade teacher, his name was Mr. Reed. He was cool as fuck. Mr. Reed had these sweet glasses and he played the saxophone and he had great looking <laughs> hair. Like Mr. Reed was fucking dope. And, uh, and he yeah. like encouraged, you know, the writing of the stories and he would let me read them like, uh, during class, like he would take, like, he would like take like 10 minutes out of the day randomly to be like, Oh, Hey Devon, you have a new story, right? 
And then he'd let me go up to class and he'd let me read the story aloud. And oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was super cool. So I like got to do that. And it was super fun because I would just write my classmates as the characters into the story. And I would I very much had just like a formula that I had, you know, that I was just like so that way I could just yeah. like kind of plug and play. And it like, so I just like had everybody on a rotation and it like got to a point where like people would always be like, Hey, is it my turn to be in the next story? Like, when is it my turn? Like, when am I going to be in another one? And it was like, it was super cool. Um, you know, and I definitely, yeah, it's like a very, very positive thing that happened out of all of that. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, he very much could have been like your teacher and, you know, called my parents and been worried about me, but like the way he turned it and then we like, just like kind of made it into a whole thing. So that was uh, something that's always stuck out to me in my, my horror memories for sure. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and you think that would have maybe discouraged me because, you know, it's like, oh, no, that's for I only wanted to do it because mm-hmm. it was trouble. You know, it's like it, I liked I liked that feeling. The, the rebellious <laughs> feeling. Yeah, yeah, of course. But then my parents didn't do anything to me. You know, I didn't get in trouble or anything. I'm just being creative. It just happened. They understood that. They knew I wasn't going to do anything psycho you know that's great and i mean at least you yeah so at least you know you 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 had one you had one roadblock but you got past the teacher you said fuck them because your parents were cool so at least you had oh they also didn't give a shit because i'm like the fifth kid and after five kids they're just like i'm fucking tired i don't want to discipline i don't just they're not even keeping track of what you're doing anymore (laughs) <laughs> yeah no not at all i come from a family of like a lot of kids too so i totally understand that but um but yeah so to also dig like you know a little bit further into your your horror tastes and stuff i asked you just uh, uh if you had a couple hidden gems or recent watch recommendations that you wanted to shout out before we got into the main movies for the show yeah i had a few <clears throat> um Cause my, my favorite types of movies are like, if you got Satan, demons, possessions, like dark religious imagery, um, psychological disturbing shit, that's what I'm in. That's, that's kind of like my favorite. I mean, I like all sub genres of horror. I mean, there's always something great in, you know, eighties slashers and, and nineties stuff like, you know, kind of the cheesy, uh, I know what you did last summer and like scream. Mm. Those are just, those are just fun. You know, those are, those are fun ones, but it's like the really ones kind of like the slow burn bleak, uh, psychologically disturbing stuff. And if you throw in some paranormal shit, I'm all for it. You know, I like, that's kind of my, my favorite ones. Um, one that I really liked recently on Shudder was Metamorphosis. Did you see that? The Korean possession film? I have not watched that one yet, but it's on my Shudder list, though. Uh, yeah, Metamorphosis is great because it takes, it's like a more of a modern take on the typical possession film. It's how these people are possessed um, is very unique. And obviously, I don't want to give it away. I think people should just go watch it. And I know it does have subtitles, but. I feel like if some people are discouraged from watching foreign films and they really shouldn't be, I know I was kind of like that. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. want to read. I'm like, man, like, but really after about 10, 15 minutes of watching it, you kind of almost forget that you're doing it. Yeah. So I really think you should. And same with Train to Basan. Did you, do you remember that? Did you ever uh, see Train to Basan? I have not watched Train to Basan yet either, but now That's that Peninsula is out, I'm going to go ahead and, and go ahead and watch both of them. Just a, just a couple more I'll rattle off here because I really want to get these out. Oh, uh, please do. I, I, 
I really enjoyed the Devil's Candy. Have you seen that about the? Yes, like I have. That one? Absolutely love the Devil's Candy. That one is so good. I love that one, and it's like I never get sick of it. Some just, good old heavy metal horror, like exactly, I absolutely, and like Deathgasm fucking rules. Deathgasm too. Like, <laughs> also fucking rules. Oh man, Deathgasm is one that I plan on covering on the show at some point because I absolutely yeah. love Deathgasm. Uh, Jason Lee Howden was the director of that one. Super good, so well done. And speaking, I know we're going to talk found footage here, so I just threw a couple. Of, like I, I found the Good Neighbor to be kind of fun. Um, I think Jimmy Khan is in that. It's about like the old guy across the street and the two kids are spying on him and they, they keep fucking with him. Like they put an alarm in his house and wake him up in the middle of the night and they try to make him think that there's a ghost in his house. Whoa, that sounds fun. No, the good, the good neighbor. And of course things go wrong as always. Um, 13 cameras. I don't know why I'm a sucker for that movie. It's and there's a, there's a sequel for that one too, right? Yep, fourteen cameras, pretty brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Uh, but watch thirteen cameras because it's the the villain in it is the most disgusting man, vile you could ever think of. He's this guy that rents out houses and he spies on the guests mm-hmm. and he's just perverted. And uh, yeah, he. I don't want to spoil anything, but he really gets up close and personal with these people and uh, he's disgusting and it's really great. That's another one that's like sitting on my Netflix list, but oh man, it always makes me so happy that uh, the guests have managed to like bring a bunch of movies that I haven't seen either. So these are great recommendations for the audience for sure. But like for me in general as well, cause like um, very much on the same wavelength of, I like things, you know, sadistic and dark and mm-hmm. like really fucked yeah, up man. as well. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely on uh, similar pages for sure. Um, de- uh, my recommendations are in line with some of them. Um, they're both found footage films because that's what we're talking today. And this will kind of be a preview of a future episode because there's going to be a whole found footage month um, for right. for Blade Blunt Cinema Club. But uh, as this like kind of preliminary episode, uh, two of them that I watched out because one of them I just watched this week, and it's by the director of As uh, As Above So Below, and uh, that'd be the Poughkeepsie tapes, uh, mm-hmm. Poughkeepsie tapes, not Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie. But yeah. um, I just watched that one. That one is it's an infamous one. Um, just because it's been known for just being like one of the scarier of the found footage and that's just like real dark and grotesque and stuff. And it kind of had this weird, uh, reputation as well because the movie, it like didn't get picked up. It didn't get picked up for distribution rights, like after it premiered at festivals and then it just got shelved, but it got shelved for like, like, I mean, it literally didn't actually get a Blu-ray um, release until 2017 and then that's also like whenever it was like made like widely available to stream but mm-hmm. uh, even up until 2017 it like so it was kind of one of those movies that was just like if you like had a copy of it that you got from someone else or that you found on some weird website you know like probably on reddit or tumblr or some shit you know, and it was like kind of one of those things like, oh, hey, like you, you can't find this movie anywhere, but I got it and it's fucked up and it's weird. And then since it like didn't have 
Yeah. Um, since it didn't have a production company behind it backing it, the opening credits didn't have like any logos in front of it. So that made it feel even more real because it's a found footage mockumentary. So it it, it has this right. weird reputation already, and um, it is pretty fucked up. It's about um, the the mockumentary is like kind of like um one of those like serial killer case files that you would see on TV. And they're talking about this just like most notorious serial killer from the 90s that no one knows about. But he was so notorious and they had this ridiculous collection of hundreds of tapes of all the shit that he was doing. And it like the tapes like take up like an entire hallway. (laughs) And then they're like and like half of them are like tapes all about like one girl that he like tortures the most. But so it's like them chronicling this like horrific serial killer on and they're like using the tapes to like train other FBI agents as well and like doing mm-hmm. stuff like that and like they're investigating and um and then you start seeing the footage from the tapes and they like track them from like you know his start up until the end so you like see him like progress you know man like cuz i mean impressed is not the right word but because we're fucked up people that like this shit this yeah. is the most impressive serial killer I've ever seen portrayed in a movie. Like, I mean, this dude is just, I can't say anything. But I don't know why I have not, because it's been on my list. It's just one of those that's on my list and I just haven't gotten to watch it yet. It's it's a good one. And I avoided it for a little bit just because like, I want to forget about it for a minute and let the hype dissipate out of my mind and then i just like finally randomly saw that was streaming on amazon prime i hadn't thought about it in a minute and i was like perfect timing and it is um it's good it's one of the best written found footage movies uh that's Mm -hmm. something that's not usually praised in found footage movies i'd say but it is like so geniusely written and um and it's uh it, it has some dark comedy in it too the framing device really works really well I'm going to talk about this movie a lot in a future episode, but it is awesome. a, it's a goodie. It's a definitely a goodie. And then, um, one recommendation that I just thought, um, as you were talking about possession movies and we're also doing found footage. Um, one is the possession of Michael King. I watched it last night, dude. Oh, you did. I watched it last night and I was going to bring it up on the show. Cause I saw it when it first came out and then I was like, oh, I forgot about it. And then I, I saw it last night. And I'm like, I'm going to put this on. I, I saw it on, it's on Tubi. It's streaming on mm-hmm. Tubi for free right now. So if you don't give a shit about a couple ads in the middle, whatever. But like, I was like, this is good. Like, I forgot about how good it was. That's a really good one. Like, that's like one of the like scarier films I've seen. Like, yeah, I remember, man. I remember the first time I was watching it. It was in my old college house, and my room was in the basement, so I mean, it was all nice and dark. And I had a girl over, and she made us turn the movie off because it was so <laughs> scary. I mean, it was freaking me out, and then I remember I, like, finished it, like, later on that night, like, by myself, which, like, made yep. it even scarier. Man, that's a good one. Uh, For the audience members, uh, the... The Possession of Michael King is a found footage film where a filmmaker, he's um, he's grieving a great loss, so he is set out to disprove the existence of the paranormal. So it's him um, like reaching out to people on Craigslist and like all these other things and like having people try to test their theories on him and like see if he can catch it on camera. 
And the the route that it goes, I mean, the way that it escalates and then that ending is it's fucking scary. Like it's a legit, like really scary one. I think it just kind of slipped through the cracks, you know, because it came out in 2014 and by that point we had had so many possession movies. So I think yeah. it just like kind of slipped through the cracks and doesn't have like the best, like, you know, scores like critically either. But um, yeah. It's definitely yeah, like, but that's so funny that you end up watching it last night. I watched it last night, man, and the and his pro, the progression of how just his face and mind is deteriorating throughout, like the kind of slowly, it's you know he's starting to get bags under his eyes, and it's just yeah. like you can he's getting more haggard every like ten minutes. It's it's great. His he's deteriorating in front of us and getting more mad. So it's uh it's it's great. He did a great job that actor. Yeah, like you definitely really feel like the the pain that he's going through and him like really trying to process this and then like, you know, using that grief and, you know, possession as a literal metaphor for it. Um it works out really well. Really good movie. Um and then maybe one more to try and see if you've seen it. Ooh. Have you seen um this one's not even really a horror movie, but it's just so dark and like and gritty and it gets violent at the end. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of horror-esque-ish, but it's not. Uh, have you seen uh, Donnie Brock? No, I haven't. It's a, uh, it's a movie with Jamie Bell and uh, Frank Grillo. And, oh, I love Frank, um, man. Frank Grillo uh, is badass. Donnie Brook, not Donnie Brock, sorry. But Donnie Brooke, cool. it's yeah, Jamie Bell, Frank Grillo, and also um uh the gal from uh Margaret Qualley from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um and this movie came out a couple of years ago and it's this real fucking it's like a backwoods noir movie mm-hmm. where you have Jamie Bell, he's this struggling dad, and um, you know, you can tell he's just like, you know, down on his luck and shit. And he is uh, preparing. He he wants to go seek out this bare knuckle fighting tournament called Donnybrook. And while he's on his way to this event, he's being pursued by a psychopathic drug dealer, um, played by Frank Grillo. Named yeah. Ch- his character's name is Chainsaw Angus. I need to throw that out there. <laughs> That's one of the best names. Of any character ever. And then Margaret Qualley is his sister. And so they're kind of after Jamie Bell's character. And then, so the whole movie, it's building up to this fucking uh, bare knuckle tournament, you know. And I mean, just the whole movie is just so dour and cold and just like, and and there's there's just no hope in this movie. (laughs) Like, I'll I'll throw that out there now. Like, that's not a spoiler, but like, there's just no hope in like, you know, it's like one of those kind of movies. And then like, once you do get to the tournament, the fucking fight scenes are pretty gnarly. So, um, I, so since you're, you like the, the bleakness, that is one that I would recommend for you to check out. And if, I don't know if I've ever seen, but I really enjoyed speaking of bleak, I really enjoyed as a more major release, but the lodge that came out in January, did you see the lodge? Yes, I did see that one. Just very slow burn, bleak. (laughs) fucked up you're just like oh my god at the end an <laughs> overwhelming just... sense of dread like... yes and it, i like how it made me feel i remember at the end of that movie i actually saw it in the theater because it's still in january this year i believe end of january 
maybe mm-hmm. even early fe- nah, in January. And I remember leaving and other people, I looked at their faces and they're just like, oh, kind of had a, but I had the biggest smile on my face just sitting there. I'm like, yes, like that made me feel kind of fucked up. And I, that's what I like. Mm-hmm. I like when a movie can make me feel like that because not a lot can, you know, yeah. it's like I seek that out. Oh yeah, like that's that's I mean, we are man, we are fucking we're right here, man. Like I yep. feel like that all the time. Like I told <laughs> I told my girlfriend the other day, um, like earlier this weekend, I, we were like trying to figure out what movie we watch and she goes, Uh, can we watch something not weird or scary this week? I was like, Yeah, it's cool, it's cool. I'll I'll and then like and then whenever I was like going back to my place. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go what? I was like, I'm gonna watch some real fucked up movies tonight. And she just like yeah. kind of looks at me and I was like this is just what I'm after tonight. And uh, I watched uh, Impedigore and Pekitsi yeah, tapes. And I mean, those are I both pretty. Di- those are both pretty dour, but like, still didn't even like do it for me. And Impedigore is fucking. I told I told my lay. I go. I love when horror movies have the nerve to kill children. Yeah, Lots man, they were drowning babies. They were drowning babies. Like, oh my god! But yet, I was just still watching, eating popcorn. Like, uh huh. They're drowning that baby right now. Okay. And it, and that movie still didn't do it for me. But but yes, <laughs> I I am on that same quest as you, my friend. So mm-hmm. as we go ahead and get ready to get into the main features of the episode today. Johnny, you brought As Above, So Below, released in 2014, directed by John Eric Dowdle, who directed the Poughkeepsie Tapes, um, Quarantine, um, and he did another found footage film, too. This guy loves doing found footage movies, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it came out in 2014. It uh, stars Perdita Weeks as Scarlet. Um, she is this uh, crazy Tomb Raider-like lady. Um, she's an adventurous, she's out looking for the Philosopher's Stone, something her dad apparently died searching for, and, um, she believes it is, um, if you take a secret tunnel through the, uh, French catacombs, which this film was actually made in the catacombs. Yes, sir. Um, is, she is off to find the Philosopher's Stone. So, Johnny, what do you, what made you want to talk about this movie today? Well, it is... I feel like it's an underrated movie. Um, I know that I think Rotten Tomatoes has it as like a 28% or something yeah. like rotten. Um, but I feel like, and even the audience score seemed to be lower, like maybe 48. I forgot what the audience score was. But, um, and it, this is really weird. Because the other day I saw a tweet that said, um, you know, name an overrated movie. And someone goes, as above, so below. And I was like, oh, I don't. I'm like, I think that's actually more underrated, maybe because I see a lot of people say as above, so, so underrated. So maybe that this person got sick of like hearing that or something, but I feel like if this movie is kind of like, all right, so let's say Satan is smoking a joint, right? And the rolling papers would be a page out of Dante's Inferno, like the zigzag. Mm-hmm. He rolls it up with some sort of Indiana Jones Kush dipped the end of it in embalming fluid and took a couple hits. And I think that's what, uh, as above, so below. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> kind, that's, kind, 
that's a pretty aptly description. I love that uh, very vivid description because that leads straight into the opening segment of talking about the movies. That's the genre grinder where we take the movie and we grind it up all nice and fine into the subgenre so we can really appreciate the complexities of this movie. So as above, so below, of course, we have the found footage angle that's there. But then, um, you know, we rolled into this um, into this joint rolled by Satan himself. We have some adventure horror in there. You know, there's a lot of like kind of thrilling yes. adventure sequences. Like I said, like like it, watching this movie the whole time, all I could think was, why haven't hasn't there been a Tomb Raider found footage horror movie? Why hasn't that been made yet? Yes. That is pretty much this movie. Really, if they just changed your name to Laura Croft, this would be a Tomb Raider movie, essentially. And I think that would be really cool. But um but yeah, so you have some adventure stuff as well. And then um and then obviously you have some uh crazy, crazy psychological horror stuff going with everyone pretty much kind of going through their own seven rings of hell in this like, you know, as they all kind of deal with their personal demons as they go deeper and deeper into the film so like what what sub what parts of those subgenres like really work for you i mean all of that and the um i love that one of the, i think the one one of the most effective things a horror movie can do is have this claustrophobic feeling you know and it's like kind of like in i guess like an alien or something like that when they're on on the ship and they're going through those tight corridors and there's freaking aliens in there um you feel very claustrophobic when in this movie, there's a scene where they have to dig through bones or like very small tunnels, very small passageways going to fucking wells, you know? And it's like, the just, everything is so tight and it feels like you can't breathe almost even watching this. And they're just, they're just, they're not going up, right. They're going deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and deeper into the bowels of this hell. And it's just, it's, it gets tighter and tighter, you know, and you kind of even have that feeling like there's like less oxygen in there. And um, I think that's a that was really effective. This movie did like the claustrophobic feeling. That's just one of them. And I love the layers of this movie. And it's very um, it parallels you know Dante's Inferno. There's a lot mm-hmm. of similarities between this movie and Dante's Inferno. There's a great great article from uh, that's on Bloody Disgusting. I believe Meg yep. Navarro wrote it. Did you have you read that? Yes, I did. I was reading that yep. one a couple of days ago. Yeah. Right. And it's like it's she beautifully, um, you know, lays out how how this is similar to Dante's Inferno, how like uh, they're kind of like in this limbo down there. Um, Each of them are kind of going through their own personal hell. The they kind of, you know, they go uh, they're all sinners and they uh, well, they reap what they sow. Um, They're they're going down these different wells and kind of like in Dante's Inferno when they're going deeper, deeper into hell, the eighth and ninth circle of hell. Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy how, how closely knit those two are in the story. Yeah. Uh, I, they definitely like pull that through really well without also like, without also just like trying to be blatant about it either. And I really like yeah. how that like kind of also like just kind of naturally came through with like you see the marketing like I love the poster. That's like one of my favorite uh, horror movie posters, um, you know, just the yes, the red and black, that. just the red and black straight, you know, with the upside down Eiffel Tower and the bones like that's just like so like they they really did layer that in without having to like sit there and like, you know, throw it in our faces either. But um, but yeah, like the the like the tightness and the claustrophobic aspect to the film 
is what stood out to me the first time I watched this, which was only a couple years ago. Um, yeah. Because it was like, you know, I remember when this came out and it was, and this came out at like kind of, you know, the tail end of, you know, the like height of found footage. Like by this point, we had already had like four of the paranormal activity movies. Um, I think the gallows came out like around that same year. Um, there yeah. was, so, I mean, we were kind of getting that found footage fatigue when this film came out. So I think that might be part of the reason that it just got trashed. Like, you know, that like the, the critics didn't like it. The audience was kind of iffy on it. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of avoided it for a while. Cause like, I was just like, eh, if people say it sucks, I'm not going to watch it. But then it became right. one of those movies that I would see pop up on Twitter a lot of the, Hey, this is a really underrated movie. And, and then like, you know, and just how things work on the internet in general, things go from underrated to overrated to back to underrated again, you know? So like, yeah, maybe everybody kept calling this underrated, which made it properly rated. And then it was talked about too much. So now it's overrated. We, Can we just get rid of those terms? Like, I'm serious. Like, mm-hmm. let's just, let's just like what we fucking want to, and let's not have guilty pleasures or overrated or just fucking yeah. like what you want to like, man. See, that's why I say like, I like, that's why I say like hidden gems or like, I say underseen, like underseen is, is a lot different than underrated because yeah, like where a movie is supposed to be quote unquote properly rated, no one's to fucking say, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But yeah, but like underseen is something that I would definitely say, uh, rings very true about this film for sure. Yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause even when I saw the tweet, um, of someone said that as above, so below is overrated it it's weird but it kind of hurt my heart because i'm like oh i love that movie man so does that mean that i'm shit like i'm like i shouldn't like it you know i questioned for like just half a second and then it's like no way man you like it you like you know it's just funny how it uh you get emotionally attached sometimes to stuff you really like and then when you see a comment you're like oh man yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And it's just like, you know, like it's a, you, you, especially like, yeah, when it turns into something very close to your heart. And like, this is like me with Grave Encounters when we get to that. Um, yes. I'm very, like, that movie has a lot of personal things for me. And I love the movie. So it's like, yeah, if I like see somebody talking shit on that, I'm like, excuse me, what'd you say? What'd you say? And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, uh, did you rewatch it recently? Like, was there anything that like stood out a little differently that you like really loved a little bit more? I just loved how I love a movie with a good, when a good opening, a good hook. And I think a lot happened even before they went down in the catacombs. Like when she was sneaking into Iran to like go underground and get that rose key that, and all of a sudden you have, you know, a time limit. She needs to get this thing before the fucking tunnels blow up. And so she's, there's an alarm going off. There's red lights. She's, she's trying to get the inscription of this rose key thing. And so then she's, you know, running and running before this thing blows up. And you see that she's so adamant, so intense about getting this philosopher's stone, reaching it because it's something her dad never did. And he went crazy trying to find this thing and, you know, died. And I think she has guilt over that and so like she she that she wasn't there for him so it's almost like this adventure this quest that she needs to find this thing to kind of redeem herself as she feels bad that her dad died um but yeah just that that whole beginning her assembling the crew you know it's like it's almost like a Nicolas Cage national treasure thing where she's finding these different little things you know in the museum and uh 
like there's all these, uh, one little thing that you don't find, you're not going to get to that philosopher's stone. There's so many steps that they have, that they are taking before they even go down to the catacombs, which I think was brilliant. It doesn't start out with them just assembling a crew. Hey, I know there's a stone down there. Let's go get it. The steps that they do to take before they go down there even I think makes this movie complete too. Yeah, they they took the steps to do the character work. Um, Scarlet is a very interesting protagonist because, yeah, we do get a lot and we learn a lot about her just in that whole sequence. Yeah, even before we get to the catacombs, um, just in that sequence of her being Iran. And then um, whenever she comes back and then when she figures out that she needs her ex again. So then like that encounter, just between that encounter, you learn a lot about their relationship and also a lot about her that, yes, she's very smart and uh, resourceful and everything. But she's also a little bit. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, reckless. A little reckless. reckless. Yes. Um, reckless kind of. Like the guy in Grave Encounters, I saw a lot of similarities <laughs> between her and the host of Grave Encounters. Like they're just, yeah. they're so held fucking bent on getting this, you know, he wants the shot. She wants the stone and they do not give a shit. They're like, I'm going to go through hell to get this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't care. So yeah. it's like. Well, see, I think it'll be, it's interesting between them because I feel like, you know, it was the, the the hospital that, you know, turned, uh, Lance into that versus you already kind of, yeah, with her, you already saw the fire in her eyes, like before we even get down there and her coercing people, you know, coercing, uh, George, who doesn't want to go down there, but coercing him to go down there anyways, you know, and then her dis and then just like, we see her distrust of the people that she hired to take her in there, which is like really funny because she already thinks she knows more than them. And yes. so she, there's a lot of layers to her. And then just like also the, the things that she's carrying with her, the pain of losing her father and what it's put into her brain into doing that. I mean, she's literally hell bent on getting this right. fucking philosopher's stone, you know? So interesting character. We can, I know we can, we can move on to the other movie, but just before, just have to say, I just love how when they're down in the catacombs, it's like, each little, it's like a video game, each little corner or pocket, they have to figure out a puzzle or something to move on to the next level or to go down. You know, it's like the stones on the wall, they have to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and they have to remember Mm -hmm. a certain passage or something. And it's like one wrong move and the whole tunnel could cave in and they all die. Oh yeah. So it's, it's so cool how it's like a, any little thing can go wrong and they're all just fucking dead. It's like very similar to the puzzle games like in the Tomb Raider games like or in Resident Evil or Silent Hill, you know, when you had those random like puzzle things. So like, yeah, very much felt video game-esque. And again, this could have just been a Tomb Raider movie. Like, I mean, they really could have. And imagine they could have made a lot more money if they would have did that and just slapped the name on it. Like, I mean, it's it's pretty close right in there. So like, I feel like it would fit in. I want to see a spinoff of that satanic choir that they see at the very beginning. <laughs> it's just like those weird, you know, people that are singing in, in this like cave. It's that you, you only see it for like a minute mm-hmm. or like, you know, just like 30 seconds. But I'm like, oh, I want to know more about those people. Well, yeah, no. Uh, great for shouting out the yeah, the spooky cult. I put a note down that it was like spooky cult people are the normal part of this catacombs you know yes. because yeah. the guy just go uh, pe- uh was it? Papillon. Pap- 
Papillon. Yeah, Papillon, whatever. Yeah. yeah, Papillon, he just goes, oh, yeah, there's always some weirdos going on. And I also liked just, like, their inclusion because then we kind of get a, a pseudo score for the movie because, you know, found footage movies usually don't, don't get to have scores to them. Um, because yeah. there are a couple scenes where we hear the, the singing hear come back in, especially like uh, when cameraman Benji is like having his freak out and then you, yeah. we hear it again and he's like, why are they singing? Why are they singing? Why are they singing? And he's just stuck in those bones and you're just like, ah, oh, it's uh, it's creepy, man. Yeah. And that's a great scene too. shout out to Edwin Hodge who plays Benji. Um, Edwin Hodge is in the first three Purge movies. And you know what that scene kind of reminded me of is I think there's a dis- scene in the descent where mm-hmm. they're crawling through and they're stuck and they have to get through before it caves in. Yeah, that was very similar to that. Oh yeah, definitely an homage for sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was really fun uh, revisiting this movie again and like I hadn't seen it up until a couple years anyway, so it was still pretty fresh. And um, I do just really love yeah, like the descent in. Um, before we move on, also have to shout out the the scene where um the the burning car scene and we see yes. uh papillon's old friend and papillon's like i didn't mean to it wasn't wasn't my fault um that was a really just like a scene that just like kind of comes out of nowhere you know like that's when um we really see like the real supernatural um spooky shit going on you know because up to yeah, that point it was like pretty simple even before that when uh is, is it ben feldman is that his name the actor mm-hmm you know, he, he sees the piano, the same piano that he had as a kid, but the one key was off and he's playing my Bonnie lies over the ocean. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, he goes to play the piano and it's the same key that's off when he's a kid and just like f- starts freaking out. Yeah. That was, that was another creepy scene as well. Yeah. A cool little, just like creepy little mind fuck. And that's uh, what the whole movie pretty much entails. It's yeah, it's a nice mm-hmm. little adventure. Yeah, like you said, like it has the video game aspect because you're just like kind of going lower and lower playing the puzzles uh, until you, you get to uh, the devil's butthole or whatever else happened at the yep. end. <laughs> and the only the tagline is great. The only way out is down. I fucking love that tagline. That is a great tagline too. Oh, yep. yeah, I do love that. But yeah, so that's a really great film. And the film that I brought that is... I it's debatably my favorite found footage film like I only say that just because I've only seen the Poughkeepsie tapes once so maybe Mm -hmm. if I watch that a couple more times it it might overtake it but I can't say it yet since I've only seen it once but Grave Encounters I've seen a lot of times so I had so much fun revisiting this by the way because I think I've maybe only seen it twice and I was like it's just kind of fun and I'm like, I'm like, this is so fun. Yeah. It's, so yeah, I'll let you go ahead. But yeah, it was, it was a fun one to revisit. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like the first word that comes to mind. Like it's, it's a fun movie to watch. Like, and I've tried to explain that to people, what I mean by that, but it's just fun because it's like, it, it does have some comedy at the beginning. It has mm-hmm. some adventure elements, but then it has the dark and it gets psychological and it just like fucking gets crazy and then it gets like legit, legit scary. And it's just like a fun movie. It's a fun movie to watch with other people. So that's why I've seen this movie so many times. So my freshman year of college, this was the movie that me and my roommate would always like 
put on for like girls when we had them over. <laughs> like it was yeah. like the go-to move and like it became just like a running gag for us like throughout yeah. like anytime you like met a new girl and you bring her over, you have to watch Grave Encounters or Don. Sinister. <laughs> it was either Grave Encounters or Sinister oh, or geez. both if we could get both in. But um those were My the God, old- if you could- Sinister is a bold move for, for a new girl. It like because <laughs> At least Grave Encounters has kind of like that comedy element a little bit. Nah, but, Sinister is if you really sinister, want to just man. scare, you know. <laughs> so that that was always the deciding factor. Like if they were a little bit, if the girl was like, oh yeah, I like horror movies. They're like, okay, let's cool. Let's do it. But but yeah, so we watched this movie a bunch of times because it was like, oh, we know where all the scares are coming, you know, and you could, you know, mess with them. And it was, you know, like that was that was the Netflix and chill move right there before the fucking term was coined. Mm-hmm. Um but so I've seen this movie many times. Uh, let me pull back to my notes. Grave Encounters, uh, released in 2011, written, directed, and edited by the Vicious Brothers, who would be Colin Minahan and Stuart Ortiz. Colin Minahan has directed films such as It Stains the Sands Red and What Keeps You Alive, and he's also been a writer on multiple films as well. Um, a big fan of his. I got to interview him at Overlook Film Festival, oh, and cool, uh, we talked about this movie for a little bit. And I literally told him, I was like, "Hey, your movie may or may not have gotten me laid multiple times in college." And he goes, <laughs> and he was like, "That's all I want out of movies, man." I was like, "Fuck yeah, he gets it." That's <laughs> but yeah. um, but yeah, so um, I absolutely love this movie. Little uh, quick synopsis on it is Lance Preston and his crew, they um, were shooting for this uh, TV show that was very much like a Ghost Hunters-esque show. Like, this movie feels like straight out of the sci-fi channel. And um, you get like a cool little intro. Just the little quick hook at the beginning is talking to a producer, the guy that, you know, assembled this found footage, saying, hey, we didn't doctor this. Um, this is from 75 hours of them recording for this episode. Everything was going great. It was episode six, I believe that went awry and, um, they are at the Collingwood hospital and they, um, they, you know, most of them have become skeptics by this point. It's all bullshit. Um, they're fabricating stuff. They bring in an actor guy as a fake psychic and, um, him and his crew, they're just shooting this you know, show, you see him shooting B-roll and hanging out as a crew and doing all things. And then things become real, of course. And then this movie just descends deeper and deeper into madness. Um, what did you love about uh, revisiting this film? Well, first of all, I love the, is it Lance? That's the main guy, the host? Lance Preston. Lance Preston. I love the over, it's, God. It's so funny. The over-exaggeration when like the camera is on him, it's hilarious. It's kind of like, like a Zach Baggins sort of wannabe oh, type yeah. of guy, like a ghost adventures type of mm-hmm. host. And of course, I, I think they did that on purpose because he even kind of had that same haircut and like look to him. Um, I just love how he's so intense and um, – He's, you know, anything, anything to get the story, anything to get the shot, how he'll, you know, fabricates a story with a gardener before they even go in the building is hilarious. So he's like, I seen a ghost over there. <laughs> like, he's like, you heard him right here. He saw a ghost, you know, and it's, it's just, 
it makes you smile and laugh. And that, that really, you know, made me smile. I love that. But just the overall, the setting inside was so good. All the different tunnels and rooms and anything, everything from the, the lime green tile that was kind of like in the, I don't know if it was like a bathroom. It kind of reminded me of the lime green and the shining when the woman was in the, in the bathtub, just a very, just, they had everything from the eerie color and when they shot, um, when they shot using the night vision too, kind of grainy like, um, that was great how they shot it. Um, just uh, and I love you know kind of like the same thing as as above so below. They're like in this limbo. They're trying to get out, and when they think there's a door, it's a dead end. So it's I I love that aspect of it too. Yeah, it's um that's yeah some of the few things I love about this. Like I mean the first like 30 40 minutes of this movie are just like I absolutely love it so much because I'm laughing so much at you know like they really went authentic into like just like how the production of this show would go and you know the attitudes behind the different people of the crew you know we get to know the other members of the crew which I really enjoy that we like get to know TC the camera guy and uh, Matt the the mm-hmm. you know gear uh, gadgets guy and uh, Sasha a cult yeah. specialist and you know so it's like you really get to know each of them and they really do build out Lance Preston this host and just all that really plays into I wrote an article um I think it was like a year or so ago for Nightmare on Film Street and it was called Horror Footage 101 yeah. and it was this article that I wrote basically saying like what are the keys to a successful found footage film and kind of laying that out and you know using different examples and I use Grave Encounters because the the coolest part of it is um the one key to the found footage film is the purpose. Like, why is it found footage? So basically, like, the framing device on, like, why is this a found footage film? So I think that that they just built out this, um, you know, fake ghost hunting TV show so authentically and really, like, mm-hmm. sold you on it, like, hard in the beginning. And then to, like, kind of, this is, like, what, the audience really wants to see out of these kind of shows, but they never do because these shows are m- most of the time bullshit. So it's like, this is us finally getting what we want out of these type of shows, you know, but I think it just works as such a perfect framing device for this found footage film and just like adds to the authentic, like the authenticity of it as well of like, if this didn't have like any logos on or something, this would feel like something that would like premiere on TV, but like, you know, uh, as right. a like found footage thing. So I just absolutely love it so much. I love revisiting it. I can quote it so much throughout the film. Like I just absolutely yes. love it. Um, I wanted to play a clip from one of my favorite scenes, like at the beginning and this just like kind of plays into uh like I said of them building up this show and like kind of you know peeling back the curtains of what really goes on in uh grave encounters which I'd love that that's the name of the movie as well too red red water blood blood she died right in here she she slit her wrists in the bathtub the zoom into the Lance's face was hilarious. The girl killed herself right here. In Houston, that's incredible. 
And then there's another dramatic zoom. Cut it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was that too much? No. Come on. No. Guys. No, no, that was great. That sounded really Like, so just like the actor Dude. worried if he's doing too much, you know, adding to it. Everything from his stupid haircut to his jacket. And it's like the, with the his necklace and sunglasses. Like that guy is hilarious. Houston man. Gray. Uh, yeah, definitely probably my favorite character. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I love him all so much. Like he's such a he's great character. So Lance. Horny. <laughs> yeah, it's he's fantastic. And then like. Um, I love how like even like later on when like the real shit is starting to go down and then he's even still trying to be like, uh, I'm sensing. And then TC goes, shut the fuck up. You're not sensing anything <laughs> like, and it's so hilarious. Like them two battling like the entire movie, like they're like little banters between them is hilarious the whole yeah. time as well. It just, and yeah, it, think- it just feels so authentic and genuine. I think it was a scene where I don't know if they're going to go look for Matt, but how he's he's like, hey, thanks for the help, man. And he's like, hey, you know, I don't like sitting here by myself. Remember, he like he's too scared or something to go help them find somebody. <laughs> he's just kind of selfish and just wants to sit there. He doesn't want to go help. Yeah, because yeah. he's like, I'm not here to hunt ghosts. I'm here to act. And I did my thing. And like, and that's like so yeah. like, you know, an actor on set that like, you know, doesn't do anything else besides the one thing they're there for, you know. And yeah. then but then it's like when uh, when things get scary and like once we the you know it starts off small you know of just like door slamming and the hair and you know stuff like that but then like after the point of Sasha getting like the words like carved in her back that's like when you're like oh shit yeah. like we're about to it's about to get real now and it just gets fucking darker and darker as they keep going and it's like very similar to as above so below in that aspect yeah, and uh, one thing I thought that they did a good job in this too was I feel like in a lot of horror movies, less is more. I don't want to see a bunch of CGI. I think it's better. It's more terrifying what you don't see. Like there'd be a shot um, in this movie where a long shot, and I think Houston was down the hallway and he gets picked up and he's kind of getting choked in the air and you don't really see what's doing it to him. It's just that you you know there's a ghost or something doing it. Um, you know, and even like, the arms come out of the walls. Like that was somebody's arms. It wasn't like all CGI. And even when they showed like the demon face of the girl that's facing the wall and she turns around and her eyes and mouth kind of open up, that's not too bad. Then it was still tasteful. No, I like that. I remember, I, I remember that's like the scene in the trailer, um, which kind of sucks. Cause that is one of the like better uh, scares of the movie for sure. But yeah, like I uh, I didn't mind. Like yeah, the CGI doesn't look the best, but at the same time, like for the found footage and like the quality of the the video that they're getting, anyways, it kind of makes sense, you know. And it like I don't know, like it, cause it it adds to just this I don't know this weird the the out of time vibe because like how it's like fucking with the time and stuff too. So it's just like yeah. what so these creatures are more even like this is more than just ghosts, you know. So it's like I can be forgiving of what the the CGI does in it, but I mean for the most part I think it works. But then it's like we get past like you know the middle of the film we get the ghost show of you know all the all the scares and all the all the big jump scares and visuals but then it's the third act that i find you know just the most effective 
because now you see all the characters that are still alive going crazy and you fucking yeah. uh, whenever fucking um what's the what's the gadgets guy's name will i think um oh yeah yeah the when the gadgets guy goes crazy um he has a like really good convincing scene cuz like he disappears for a little bit you know they can't find him and then they find yeah. him later and he's in a like hospital gown and everybody like at this point had already had the little hospital tags on as well but he's like in the gown and great add on yes and it's like we can't go until we're better and they're all like yeah. what you know it's just that that right there I was like oh shit like they really got him in there it's like he's a patient now type of thing yeah like i mean they're all patients yeah and like the way that they the way that they yeah do that is like that's really effective and then you know lance ends up by himself and he like he's hiding out in the tunnel for who knows how long he's eating rats and talking to himself still and like still like like, man i've been we've been walking the whole day in a straight line and you know they're not getting anywhere and he's still hosting the show too exactly. while he's also like going crazy. Like I said, he's always just, he needs to have that footage. It's, it's even when he is seeing death coming pretty much, he just like, he still wants the camera on. <laughs> it, it's, I, I love it so much. Like it's just, it's a fun ride from start to finish and it just keeps getting weirder and fucking with the time and the geography of the, of the hospital is such a great setting um, they did film it in this like abandoned psychiatric hospital in Canada, and then they get even like more meta in the second one, where so in the second one, this kid who's an aspiring director finds you know watches Grave Encounters, and but he's like no, there's actual real shit. There's like stuff hidden hidden messages in the footage and like shit like that. And then he was like, and the hospital they filmed at. They, he, he like, he goes, they actually filmed that in Canada, but the actual hospital in Canada is actually haunted. So we're going to go up there. So they like make it even more meta into the second one. Um, people are kind of split on the second one. Um, it's still written by the Vicious Brothers, but it does have a different director and it came out pretty quickly afterwards. I like the second one. So, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but if, since you enjoyed the first one, I would definitely say, check it out. It's yeah. interesting. I it has some interesting it ideas. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw that it was on, um, I, it's streaming somewhere. I don't know. It's, if it's also TV on prime or prime. Yeah. Okay. Both I of them are on prime right now. Tonight. Yeah. I might even watch that tonight. Yeah. Yeah. They're both on prime right now and I would, yeah, I would recommend checking it out. It's a, uh, it, they bring Lance Preston back in like Lance Preston's in and he's chewing scenery like a motherfucker. Um, and they, it's, I mean, they do like kind of repeat a lot of stuff from the first one, but at the same time, like they'd amp up, you know, some of the scares and, um, some of the, some of the gore and effects and stuff. So it's a it's a solid yeah. sequel, so I would recommend that to uh, the audience as well. If you guys dig Grave Encounters, definitely check out the second one. So to go ahead and wrap up the episode, I had this idea because um, since we were watching a couple found footage movies, and then um, me and the lady, we've been doing a Marvel recap, and I had this crazy idea, okay? So I wanted you to, to pitch me a found footage movie you'd like to see, and this is what spawn this idea where i'm watching these found footage movies we're watching the marvel movies and we're watching uh avengers age of ultron there's the scene where the hulk is um 
you know, mind controlled by Scarlet Witch. She makes him go crazy and he like goes and goes on a rampage through through a city. And then I was like, yo, Marvel would never do it. But a Hulk found footage movie would be crazy. It could be just like put together <laughs> yeah. of like footage from like the civilians, like seeing these like rampages and also like banners, like, you know, like scientist vlogs or whatever. Like it could like take place yeah. like before, like they could even weave it into Marvel if they wanted to. And it could just take place before and everything. But as like a solo, just like standalone, like Hulk movie as a found footage horror film or like, or the whole like first half of it, you don't even know it's a Hulk movie. It's a found footage movie, and then like halfway through, you're like, "What? It's the Hulk!" Like, I don't know. That'd be nuts, right? Like, wouldn't that be nuts? So, like, what's a what's a a interesting concept you think would work into a found footage film? I've always been into death, and uh, fascinated with death. Um, I used to work in a funeral home in Iowa for like three years, and uh, I mean, I helped out with everything. You know, I saw everything. <laughs> it's just so intriguing. So I thought um, it'd be kind of fun to have a found footage where I don't have this fleshed out yet or anything, but it's like a guy or girl that's been buried alive uh, with the camera and uh, the killer that put them in there, put them in the casket, buried them alive with the camera. And it shows like the last minutes of their life. You know, they're kind of documenting the person that's buried alive is documenting themselves. Um, and the killer is goes and maybe offs himself or whatever. And the killer is found, I don't know, years later somewhere, uh, maybe with like a note in his pocket or something that's, that's a map to like where this grave is. And they go and exhume the body. They find the tapes and the camera and they go. And now we're going to witness what happened to this person, why this person was buried alive as they're seeing, as they're watching these tapes. Ah. So you see the story unfold. Is, is why and what happened to this person? Like, why were they, why did they get buried alive? Huh, interesting. That's like a, just like a, a darker twist on a, like, Buried, the Ryan Reynolds movie. Oh, yeah. I love, that's yeah, a pretty I good love one. that movie. But yeah, that's like an even just like darker twist on that. And I'm like, yeah, just like watch somebody just like spiral and die. Like, that's yeah. pretty fucking dark, man. I, I, I dig I it. I thought it'd be cool. Yeah, like the, their last moments and they're freaking out and stuff and just like they know they're done. And so they're just going to say whatever into the camera and just you see them kind of freak out, and maybe eventually slowly die. And then then we get the real story later, you know, after hmm. they find yeah the person, the killer that's dead and they find uh, the map to the grave and they exhume it and they get the tapes. Yeah. I'm not sure what the story would be, but that's kind of like the overarching. I dig it. I'm into it. I'm into it. We need to get, we're going to, we're going to write these movies. Let's but I do have, I didn't want, I didn't want to pitch this one of you because I have this idea that I haven't fleshed out yet, but it has to do with a, it's a horror comedy with a discount funeral home. Think of like a funeral director. That's a sleazy car salesman, but sells shitty caskets and shitty urns. And just their process they do is terrible. They have like, they use pizza ovens for the cremation. You know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of actors who could play this person, but, uh, and, uh, he buys cheap embalming fluid. And one time he buys something off the black market. He doesn't know because he gets everything cheap. He's a cheap ass. 
but he doesn't know this embalming fluid is tainted and has been blessed by this demonic cult so that when he embalms his body, they come alive and, and, you know, fuck with them. So um, <clears throat> that's kind of like one little idea that's not fleshed out that uh, I feel like I want to write. <laughs> that's a, that's a cool one too. I could see like a, I could see like a Michael Shannon doing something like that. Oh, like Michael that Shannon role. is the shit. I think that would be, I, could, uh, I think that would be like, if you like see, I could see him doing that. Like, cause he just has that deadpan humor delivery yeah. with it as well. I could totally his, see that. Michael Shannon, anything he is in, I will watch. And his voice is so distinct and cool. I love that guy's voice even. He's great. So distinct and even off screen, he has iconic fashion. The man has oh, yeah. impeccable drip. Got to respect <laughs> Michael Shannon. You, I you love when you didn't wear like a Hawaiian shirt yeah. on a talk show or something. Yeah, like a Hawaiian shirt and sandals with socks on. And I mean, he just works it though, you know, like with yep. the disheveled hair. Shout out to Michael Shannon. Thank you so much, Johnny, for coming on the show. This was so fantastic. And uh, talk some found footage movies and talk about a bunch of other movies as well um we are just like we're definitely on similar pages um and we will definitely have you on the show again to talk uh some we'll talk some more dark intense uh movies sometime down the road yeah man i really appreciate coming on this was a lot of fun i know we've been talking for a while but it just seemed like only like 20 minutes or something i'm just you know, it's a fun subject to talk about. You and I know what we're talking about. It's just, it's really fun. So I really enjoyed being on the show, man. Thanks. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love the conversation as well. If I wasn't about to go um, uh, cave exploring, um, I would have made this episode a lot longer. But I, I got to <laughs> go be a cave pirate now. But uh, where can the good people find you um, on the interwebs? Yeah, they can. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Horror Hack, and uh, please follow me. Let's talk horror. And um, <clears throat> I always love, always appreciate subscribe. So if you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel for some, you know, really fun horror movie reviews, I keep it light. I keep it fun. I don't try to trash on films. You know, I just, I just tell you what I think and why you should watch them. Uh, you can go to YouTube.com/slash the Horror Hack and. Uh, of course, that link is in my social media bios and stuff. So follow me, subscribe. That'd be awesome. I'm trying to grow this, uh, grow this channel. Yes, like that's the biggest thing that I absolutely love about your channel is the overwhelming positivity. You know, we have enough of trashing movies online, and I can't stand it. Like that's what I do with this show. Like there will never be like any bad movies, or I mean, you know, quote unquote bad movies to like you know make foam. Like that's not what this show's about either. You know, we are here to spread yeah. the positivity. So always appreciate that from your channel and your presence on Twitter. So thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, baby. That was such a fun conversation with Johnny the Horror Hack uh, talking a couple of found footage movies. Um, It was kind of, uh, I mentioned it already, but it was like a little bit of a prequel episode because found footage is one of my favorite subgenres of horror. I could definitely talk a lot more about it. So there will be a found footage horror month here on the Blade Blunt Cinema Club in the near future. Don't you worry. But um, Johnny was absolutely fantastic. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter and YouTube. He has absolutely great content. He's uh, just 
overwhelmingly positive. He's uh, just so great uh, to have in the horror community in general. And I'm so happy to like see his channel growing as fast as it is. Like he, he really knows the shit and we will definitely be collaborating on some other things in the near future. So yeah, just uh, a couple more things before we go ahead and close this episode out. Don't worry, the outro will be shorter than the intro. Once again, guys, go on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Please, it does help the show get on the trending charts and shit like that. And I want to invade the ear holes of more people. Let's get this shit, okay? Just, let's do it. I'm just so excited because I have such fun things coming up in the future of the show and the YouTube channel. So what is coming up for the future of Bloody Blunt Cinema Club? I will tell you next month. We are dancing in September, talking horror musicals all month. Super excited for that. There will also be a special uh, bonus episode recapping the first half of a Lovecraft Country coming soon. I mean, the show is already going on, but uh, we will we are going to do two recaps. We're going to do the first half and the second half with uh, my friend CJ, host of the Below Freezing podcast. So we are going to be doing that. So be on the lookout for that as well. And then coming into October, of course, we're just going to be talking about uh, our favorite Halloween films. I already have some great guests lined up for that and for our horror musical month as well. And then November is still up in the air. It has a few potential topics, but it's up in the air. And then December, we will close out with cold Christmas um, horror, just in general. I'm not a religious person myself, but I do enjoy Christmas horror movies quite a bit. But I'm not going to just limit it to that, just like movies that take place in the wintertime in general. Because when you think about it, there's not as many as you would think. So, um, I'm going to try and find some interesting ones to talk about in December. And then 2021, if we even make it that far, if the world isn't on fire already, who knows what's going to be going down. So, once again, just make sure you are um, following the podcast pages at Bloody Blunts CC. That is Bloody Blunts CC. But that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes every Tuesday. Next week, we are talking 13 Ghosts with Jessica Rose and Rachel Reeves. And make sure you are following my personal pages at underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, guys, stay lifted.